Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Dawson and Wistie podcast. We are back to talk all things round one, the fallout of everything that happened, and the beginning of round two. Gavin, an ecstatic Suns fan, is happy to be back joining me. Appreciate you joining me again, Gavin. For the record, I did call Suns in six, <laughs> but don't hold me accountable for uh, my, uh, I'm forgetting, my common sense brain for saying Lakers in seven, but We'll we'll look past that and we'll look at we'll look at round two. I'm just as nervous for this for this uh, this round as I was in round one. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see. So yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun one, as you said. It makes sense. You would be nervous, but before we get to the NBA, I thought we we are still an all sports, all pro sports podcast. I thought it'd be fun to touch on what happened in the NFL. Julio Jones on the move finally, and no one is happier than AJ Brown, of course, who is campaigning so hard to get him on the team and finally gets his wish. The compensation is a second round and a fifth round pick. So kind of interesting there is there were reports they could have gotten a first round for him. So whether those reports were false, did they do right by Julio? We don't know. At the end of the day, Julio is a Titan. Mr. Dawson, how do you feel about that? You know, I think Julio's happy. But at the same time, I don't know if Tannehill's that deep ball receiver that he was talking about a couple of days ago. Or a deep ball quarterback, excuse me. No, oh, yeah. I think that uh, Julio's going to be happy to be on a contender. I think he's going to be happy on a more complete offense rather than it being one-dimensional with him and him and Ridley. Uh, obviously, Derrick Henry's going to take some load off of him, and it's going to be easier for Julio to uh, get some of those one-on-one contested balls he's looking for. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how it works out, too. And I, this is no Josh Allen, right? I think we guys like Josh Allen, uh, Aaron Rodgers would have been the perfect guys that Julio wanted. But I do think Ryan Tannehill is in that next tier or tier after that below. A.J. Brown and him have had a lot of success, and a lot of those have been explosive plays where they have connected on deep. Not one of the strongest arms in the league, but a guy who can still get it done deep. And I think as Julio transitions age-wise as well, they're going to send A.J. Brown a a deep a lot more than they are with Julio. So I'm really excited. I've been one of Julio's biggest fans for a long time. I've always argued he's one of the – for a while I argued he's the best best in the league. I don't – after the injuries, it's kind of hard to gauge what he'll be this coming year. But I'm really excited to see what he does. I I think he's all around great. I think A.J. Brown is fantastic. I think this instantly gives them the best receiver duo in the National Football League. They already have – one of the three best, if not the best running back in the NFL and Derrick Henry, that offensive line only gets stronger with Taylor DeWan. Ryan Tannehill is a top eight to 15 quarterback to me in the National Football League. And yeah, their defense still has some issues, but this offense, it's going to be a lot of fun to see what they're able to do. So I am really excited to see how this pans out. And I'm happy that Julio got his way. I think it's going to be a fun season for him. I think Julio is one of those few guys in the league that we kind of have to take uh, word for word what he's saying. Uh, seriously no matter what the situation is he's coming off an injury yes but I fully I fully believe in Julio's confidence and uh his desire for those one-on-one deep balls just to straight just to flat out outrun the DB you said age was going to become one of those factors for him uh obviously getting up there in age for a receiver but Julio is one of those guys that kind of transcends that I I believe and that he will be one of those guys that uh no matter what happens, you have to take his word for it, and he's going to come out and he's going to play as good as he has throughout his entire career. Yeah, I hope he do- I hope he continues to do so, and it'll be fun to see however that pans out. I'm sure Tennessee fans have to be super excited about that opportunity. And speaking of excited fans, let's shift over to the NBA, and let's start out with the Suns getting it done versus the Lakers in six. It was a truly impressive performance, and Devin Booker had the superstar show out that we all thought he could have. 
Gavin, and, uh, just what are your overall six. emotions of it? Yes, what are so, your emotions of it? In game five, I was absolutely shocked that we were up by as much as we were. Uh, obviously, you know, AD going out helped significantly. Um, but with with that, you kind of have to take it take it with a grain of salt because we were kicking the kicking the shit out of them anyway. Um, we were just hitting shots. I mean, Jay Crowder finally became Jay Crowder. He was a Crowder up until that point. He couldn't find his Jay. Um, so it's I don't know. I I mean, my jaw hit the floor watching the first uh, the first quarter of Game Six. Uh, Booker didn't miss. Jay Crowder didn't miss. We were shooting what seven upwards 80 percent from from the field for the first six seven minutes of the game. I mean, we, we went up we went up thirty, and I was telling a friend of mine who I was watching the game with, I said, "You guys have a luxury that not a lot of people in the NBA have. LeBron's one of those superstars, obviously being considered one of the goats, if not the goat, um, to, <laughs> to be." Uh, to have on your team that when he, tur- when he flips that switch, they're coming, whether you want them to or not. So LeBron flipped that switch. They, they started, the Lakers started coming back, chipping away at the lead slowly, but surely, but I was happy with the way we closed out uh, Chris Paul, closing it out for us in the fourth quarter, uh, showing up when we need him to needed him to uh, wasn't, wasn't too much of a factor early on. It was all Devin Booker. Uh, Devin Booker had 22 in the first quarter, uh, I believe it's a league record or a playoff record, six threes in a quarter. Um, finished with 47 was just the game that I'd been waiting to see from him. And hopefully we get a couple more of those with Denver's guard play lacking a little bit um, in this next round. Cause I think Austin rivers is significantly worse than who he was guarding or who was guarding him in the entire Lakers series. So. It'll be interesting. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of nervous for it still. I mean, who's not going to be? It could be the – it could have been the Grizzlies. I'm still going to be nervous. So, I don't know. I'm just happy that we moved on, proved everybody uh, proved everybody wrong. I don't really have much else to say. There's, I mean, I'm at a loss for words. Those last two games were not at all how I thought they were going to go. Yeah, I, I mean, everyone was picking the Lakers, def- Nash, defending champs. Myself included even, at first. Yeah. <laughs> even even coming off all the injuries like that, it's like at the end of the day, it's still LeBron and Dave, Anthony Davis. On paper, we all thought this roster was better than the one last year, than the one that won the title in the bubble. So we thought they'd be able to figure out in time. But the chemistry of Phoenix really won over. I'm looking for Phoenix. I'm looking at seven guys that shot even over 30% from three. And a few of those guys, in the case of Booker, was 42. Payne was 42. Cam Johnson was 40, even a guy, a Chris Paul, he was only 20, but I mean, he was obviously very hot with all the credit in the world to him for going out there, balling the way he did, still making big time plays. Even Mikel Bridges, who it felt like at times he was a guy who struggled, shot 38% from three. The only guy from the Lakers who shot over 35%, there were two guys from the Lakers who shot over 35% from three. One was Marcus Gasol, who in some games barely even played because of limited action. And LeBron was the other one at 37%. LeBron's game has always been built on driving and kicking or posting up and kicking out. That's such a crucial part to all his teams. And his guys just weren't able to deliver in that regard. Anthony Davis. Yes. He was banged up 18% from three. That's just not going to get it done when you're considered one of the 10 best players in the NBA. So it's such a key thing hitting shots from the outside. The Suns did it. The Lakers did not. They had guys in Booker too. I, I never thought that Booker, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton would outplay LeBron James and Anthony Davis and injuries aside that is what ended up happening 
It was not the best LeBron has looked. Part of that was because of the injury, but also we're talking about horrendous effort at times, especially on the defensive end, just lazy rotations, not boxing out. I thought it was a bad look for him in moments. He was not able to turn it on and take over. Even since 2018, when we saw him have that magical playoff run, that was still three years ago, two injuries ago, as well as two years back, he missed the entire season for the Lakers. And then this current season, he missed a large amount of time. I think the largest he's ever missed in the season as well, even with the shortened turnaround too. So it'll be interesting to see what the long-term future of this is for LeBron, but all the credit for the Suns, they wanted it more. They got, they had guys step up too. Like for the Lakers to win, they needed a guy maybe a Montrez Harrell, a Taylor Horton Tucker. You know, Kyle Kuzma is the perfect example because Kuzma was a complete disappointment in the series on the offensive end. Defensively, he did some nice things. But a guy in Cameron Payne, that was a guy who I thought in situations, if he didn't play well, I thought we'd see Javon Carter because I thought he was just going to be unplayable if he was just jacking up shots and turning the ball over going into the series. I was thinking we might see a little bit of a guy who's been waived so many times by NBA teams. But no, he mean he he looked like Lou Williams, basically. He's such an easy guy to root for. I, I, I love campaign. Uh, he completely changed the reason why we drafted Sticks uh, this past year after his play in the bubble, which I thought was kind of a stretch. It would have been nice to have Halliburton instead of Sticks, but yeah. you know I'm not going to complain considering Campaign has more than proved me wrong and is just is just such a fun guy to watch. There were a few times where he put up um, I don't want to I don't want to call them heat check shots, but he put up some questionable shots that because you're not named Chris Paul, Devin Booker, or even remotely close to anybody that's in the top 30 or 40 in the league who could possibly make those shots. I, I, I mean, I was yelling no. And then as the ball went into the hoop, I'm yelling yes. So, you know, all credit to him for working as hard as he has. I, I mean, he's such an easy guy to root for, even if, I mean, it sucks if it's going, if it's going against you, JT, but you can appreciate somebody who's worked that hard to be where they are. Absolutely. It's, it really is an incredible story and all the credit in the world to world to him. And as we said too, just the Suns in general hats off. They defended hard. They wanted it more a guy like Jay Crowder who, yeah, maybe sometimes he gets in LeBron's. I thought he went at LeBron a little bit and sometimes it bit him in the butt early on, but other times too, it kind of helped that same fire and passion is what allowed him to have a really strong game six. So something, a guy like KCP was never able to turn around his shooting. Jay Crowder was those last few games. So lack of chemistry for the Lakers didn't have time to come together. Age as well was an issue for this roster. And we're going to touch on the future of the Suns, but let's really quick touch on the future of this Lakers team. Do you think the title window has closed for the Lakers as some are saying it has? No, no, God, no, you can't. I mean, to even think that is ludicrous. Although I think that the title window has closed if you keep the roster the way it is. The, I mean, it's LeBron's led GM, as some people will say, yeah, <laughs> uh, will uh, be in that front office making as many phone calls as uh, who's who, who's running that now? Rob Palinka. Is it Palinka? Yeah, as Rob. many phone calls as Palinka. I mean, I'm sure Dame got a text from LeBron as soon as their series ended. So. There's no doubt in my mind they're going to add a third star or somebody else that's going to help them shooting-wise. There's going to be trades made. KCP is gone. I think Kuzma's definitely gone. Um, I, I remember going back to the, the trade when it was Kuzma, uh, Lonzo Ball, and Brandon Ingram. We thought that they had won that trade at first. A few years down the line, it seems kind of backwards just because I don't think Kuzma's gotten as many opportunities as the others have. So as a Lakers fan, I have to ask you this question. Do you think going back, and this was before, well, this actually, no, it wasn't. Uh, going back, would you trade Kuzma instead of one of the other two? 
which one of those would you keep? Obviously, the obvious answer is Brandon Ingram, but given what you need, what would that be? Yeah, I would have tried to keep I would have tried to keep Alonzo Ball or something like that. Or I even remember at the time thinking to myself how I would have loved to try to keep Josh Hart just around around LeBron being as I am such a big I'm a LeBron fan, which is the main reason I drifted towards the Lakers. So that would have been the main thing. I would have I would have been okay with giving getting rid of Kuzma. Kuzma still only is a 25. He has the upside. I feel like something interesting to monitor, and you mentioned the KCP thing too. I don't know where the Kings are at with Buddy Heald right now, but if the Lakers call and offer a first Kyle Kuzma and KCP, does that get it done? Maybe. That's something I think would be a good move for the Lakers. I also, think it does. Lowry, they should have they traded Taylor Horton Tucker for him because they're going to risk losing Taylor Horton Tucker for nothing now because I think some team's going to realistically give that guy over $10 million per season because you bet on the upside. The dude with the longest – one of some of the longest arms in the NBA, I swear. Some of the stuff he's able to do is crazy. So those are two names I already watch are Lowry and then Buddy Hill, I think would be fun. But I agree. I don't think the title window is closed because I think LeBron is still such a gifted passer. And he's still, I think, when fully healthy too, I still think he was nicked up a little bit. I know betting on Anthony Davis's health can be a dangerous thing, but I still think give him a full season. It seems like this year more than others in the past, like with everyone as soon as the season ended, verified accounts and all – calling him out for his conditioning and the fact that he is always hurt. I think hopefully that leads to a change in him. And yeah, I'm excited to see how it, how it ends up turning out there. So, but either way, hats off to your sons. Absolutely a great job by them. And let's transition to the other team in LA with the Clippers, the Clippers in a thrilling seven game series, knocked off the Mavs. We were both off on our predict- predictions there. I believe I originally said Clippers in five and Gavin, I think you had Mavs in five, correct? I did. I did have Mavs in five and it looked really good there at the beginning. Uh, with the road team winning every game up until this last one. Uh, First time in NBA history that the road team has won every game through game six, uh, which made it for an amazing series, unless you're a home fan, uh, which, which sucks. Um, Luca needs help. I think, I think the, the Mavs are in a similar situation uh, to the Lakers, obviously significantly different in terms of where, but their issues are, are the same, if that makes sense. I don't know if what I'm saying is coming across the right way, but they need to blow up what they have. I mean, the I was watching game uh, game seven today, and it was evident to me today that the uh, Seth Curry trade was biting them in the ass today. They had no shooting help. Luke was on his own, and uh, Luke needs help before they wind up losing him because he may walk once his contract is up if they keep leaving him out there stranded. Uh, Porzingis was awful. Uh, there's no other way, no other way to put it. I mean, he averaged what 13 points, five rebounds, and I want to say one three pointer a game. Which for a guy standing out in the corner, you'd think he'd average more than one three pointer in a game. Also, being seven foot three, he'd average more than five rebounds in a game. But what do I know? Yeah, I I, I think he's soft. I'll just call it what it is. I think he's one of the more disciplining. I think he's the most underrated underrated disappointed player in the NBA. Now that has now had a light shined onto it because of this playoff series. I mean, some people are making the joke who was thrown into the trade, Tim Hardaway or Chris Stops. The fact that that's even a thing is ludicrous. I remember when I was back at UNT with you, Gavin, and I got the notification about that trade thinking about this is, could be the next great duo. I like, remember thinking like these two guys together, they're going to win titles. I no longer think that's the case. I don't, I think Christoph Porzingis has played his last game for the Dallas Mavericks. Because there are so many moments where it does. It looks like Luca needs that other guy. And Kristaps just doesn't step up in those moments. You know, sometimes we say a guy needs more of a dog in him. Kristaps needs any dog in him. 
any. He just doesn't demand the ball. He doesn't take advantage of his size at all. He settles way too often for threes. He's very soft out there. The lack of rebounding numbers at that height are jarring. Yeah, I have a lot of issues with Kristaps, the way he played. And I yeah, I think this Dallas team's in for a massive shakeup, as you just alluded to. And I'm going to be honest. And I know Tim Hardaway had a really good series, but we saw tonight he did not have a very good performance. I would not pay Tim Hardaway $20 million per year. We spent the entire length of this contract talking about how overpaid this guy was. Then he goes off in the playoffs and it's like, no, I think we'll sign him to $20 million again. No, that's I, I would not do that. I'd save the money, allocate the resources everywhere. I love the Josh Richardson trade for them. That was the one that involved Curry because I thought they needed the mm-hmm. defense and I thought Richardson would be able to hit those threes. He averaged 5.7 points per game for this team and came off the bench and just did never close games for them. He looked lost out there. I think guys like Dorian Finney-Smith really proved their value in the series. I would love to hold on to him. A guy like Maxi He's Gleber, probably the, one of the few pieces that I would keep as a yeah, member. For sure. And I I, I just think Lucas, Lucas sensational. I mean, he is really incredible. Average 34 points in the series, eight rebounds, nine – 9.7 assists. He's so dominant with the ball in his hands. He's crafty. He's just an ump. He can create separation. He's a master in operating the pick and roll and get his shot off in a bevy of ways. I love watching Luca play. And I totally agree. I, I think he needs more help. I don't know where that comes from. I, as I've told some of my Dallas friends, I think the Porzingis trade value is not very high, but with that being said, it's still a 25 year old guy. You, who you could argue is not in the best system for him. As we know, Dallas does discourage post touches. Maybe he's will, more willing to stand out on the three, but maybe it'd be good for him to get with a coach like a Tom Thibodeau or something like that. I don't want him back in New York, but a role like that of someone who's like, no, you're too big. You're going to get your butt on the block and you're going to post up. So, so if you're in LA, is that somebody you want to, you want to move for? I have all of the uh, 2021 free agents here in front of me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So if you want to talk about those for either team, there's anybody here that, off the top of your head makes sense for either your Lakers or the Mavericks just here in like the top 25. We can look at these, see if there's anybody that you would be, uh, you think would be worth giving some money to. I think Lou Williams coming back to LA, but instead playing for the Lakers would be, would be good coming off the bench for, uh, for LA. Yeah. Lou, Lou Williams on the Hawks. He's been huge. He's done a great job since that trade from the Clippers like that. I totally agree with you. Now that he's on the Hawks. He's done a really good job. Uh, there's not a lot of other people here off the top. There's of my not. Head, like, I think. It's a barren I mean, free agent class. It's really disappointing. So AJ Redick. I mean, yep. who's already Schroeder, on the pass? <laughs> Schroeder's gone. Uh, Fournier might be another option. Um, Otto Porter Jr. I don't know how good he is. From I don't Solid remember him three, being. Just, yeah, it could be expensive. I don't remember him being great. Um, not a lot of big names. Yeah, you're right. It is a bare. It is a rather barren uh, free agency. Uh, Louis Markkinen would be an interesting one, mm-hmm. I think, considering he, considering how he's gone on since he got drafted. So rumors he even wants to go to Dallas. That's actually already been reported to. So that would be great for the Mavs if they were able to scoop that up. So either way, they need yeah, to add. They, more do, they would do the exact same thing. So yeah, and they need to get a second start. But also, I want to talk about the Clippers a little bit here. I mean, Kawhi's sensational. I mean, we're talking about a guy who dropped. Kawhi's an absolute freak. Yes, 32 points. When it mattered most, he stepped up. Early on in the series, it was basically whoever played better, Luke or Kawhi, their team won when other guys were struggling. And then I thought, especially in game seven, we saw the role player for the Clippers step up. Like a guy in Luke Kennard, who was kind of funny. He didn't get a lot of minutes in the series, but then tonight he really stepped up and had a, a big performance score in double figures. Terrence Mann, I love this guy coming out of Florida State. He was a second-round pick. I, I did not think it – I thought it would be a while till we see him. And then he's dropping double-digit points in a playoff 
credit to him. Nicholas Batum, a guy who's totally bought into his role and did a really good job tonight. I also love the adjustment by Tyron Luth that catches a lot of flack. Benching Zubak as this series went along, I thought was the smart move. Uh, also, benching Beverly. That was something I'm sure that wasn't e- easy. One of your more established leaders. One of the guy who kind of started the Clipper run of the culture they've built. Him, Lou Williams, and Montrez Harrell, like, and Tobias Harris were that team that inched into the playoffs that the whole I'm um, Kevin Durant quote he got. That team was led by those guys. Beverly is the only guy left from that culture, and then he doesn't even play. So credit to them for not playing him. And then how about two guys like Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris, guys who've had lots of ups and downs throughout their career. Jackson in particular really stepped up tonight. He hit some dagger threes late and Morris was phenomenal all game long. I also thought Paul George was really pretty good in the series overall. I mean, just looking off his numbers, I mean, 23 in the series, nine rebounds, five assists. He had nine assists tonight as well. And yeah, I was really impressed with the Clippers as the series wore on. I think Jackson and Morris are the two names that stick out in my head. Um, Terrence Mann didn't really do a whole lot in the series until game seven. Mm-hmm. And I feel like uh, his opportunity, he took, he made the most of his opportunity uh, that he got in game seven with uh, Morris claiming three early fouls in that game. Uh, for those of you that watched it, uh, or for those of you that didn't watch it, excuse me, uh, Morris got to, uh, got to three early fouls. Um, man was, man came in and was required to, to play some heavier minutes than what he was used to uh, in this playoff series anyway. Up until this point, I believe he had six total points um, in the entire series in the limited minutes that he had and then went off for, I don't know what he finished with. I want to say 16 or 17. I don't know if you have that box score in front of you. Let me look uh, right now. Yeah, tonight he had, I know tonight he had, he had his best night of the series. But even like you said, like throughout, he didn't have as much of a scoring impact, but I was impressed by the job he did defensively. And they ended up closing a number of games for him. So credit for beating out Beverly and then, just tonight, it felt like he wasn't like he just wasn't settling. He was just aggressive from the jump. I was so impressed with how he was attacking. He never settled. He was being physical. I give him a lot of credit. And he ends up getting rewarded with those 13 points, five of 10 from the field. I never thought Terrence Mann would shoot 10 shots in game seven of this series. Two of three from three. He had five rebounds as well. And Blue started playing the hot hands, and, and then Terrence Mann was one of them that night. So mm-hmm. The, the offensive rebounding stats were skewed in Dallas's favor, but a lot of them late. I just saw a lot of Clippers hustling and diving into the basket. I felt like really, especially late, their role players and guys were being the junkyard dogs and going after it harder than the, the Mavs guys were. So that's disappointing. So I, I think Dallas it might have been Mike. I think it might have been Mark Jackson who said this uh, during the broadcast of the game. Um, he said that the rebounding battle was significantly swayed in Dallas's favor, even though they were down. And uh, that was just because L.A. wasn't missing. Mm-hmm. Um, it would, the percentage that, would, uh, that L.A. was shooting in the first half was, was unbelievable. Uh, I think the, the last stat I remember, uh, remember seeing was three-point shooting was a significant difference for, for both teams with uh, L.A. shooting, I believe it was 17 or 19 of uh, 32. Uh, at the time, from the last I remember, they, I'm sure they made a couple more after that. Was 17 or 19 from 32 for 32, and then Dallas is seven or nine from for 32 uh, from deep. And I believe most of those shots were Luca, which is tough to do on your own. Kleba uh, wasn't hitting shots. I mean, Dorian hit, Finney Smith hit, hit a couple shots late, who I think is the one piece that they should keep. Um, everybody else just couldn't shoot. They looked like the other team from LA. So it was just rough. All it together. was, 
And all the credit in the world to that 22-year-old you mentioned, Luka Doncic, he is going to be a freaking superstar he's very soon. Yes, he is. He's, he is yeah, there. You're right. there he, now. He's there now, but I think he's going to be He's going to be one of he's going to be the best player in the NBA very soon. I think he's a top ten player right now, and very soon we'll be talking about him at top five. Honestly, as soon as next year, with the way he continues to make these leaps. But let's shift on. So Nuggets, Trailblazers, Nuggets will be your opponent after winning in six. This is a very interesting series as we saw a few blowouts kind of early on, and then we saw Dame's incredible fifty-five point performance, two near buzzer beating threes. It was truly an incredible performance. And then kind of at the end of the series like that, you kind of felt when they lost that game, it was tough. And by the next game, he only had 23 points. He just looked he was tired after that. It was tough. And, you know, even guys like CJ McCollum had 20 through average 20 points in the series. Powell averaged 17, but it's just tough. They played a very short bench. So those guys ended up getting tired. It's a bummer. They paid Derek Jones Jr. as much as they did. And then he barely even played. It's it was tough throughout the entire series, and I mean, whenever Nurkic would get in foul trouble, it's like, do we want to keep Cantor in? But then they decided to throw guys like Covington and Mello at Jokic, and Jokic could do whatever he wanted. Jokic four, just had his way that whole series. He was in, yeah, he was incredible. 33, 10, and four point five assists. The assist number is actually low. I think that speaks more to his teammates shooting than him. Porter Jr. stepped up big way, having twenty two in the first quarter. Porter Jr. Game. Is scary. Yeah, the Nuggets deeper without Jamal Murray is. Not a good sign if you're Portland. It's one of the reasons they've already moved off of Terry Scotts. And now you see that Jason Kidd turned down the coaching job. I think a big reason for that is what I want to talk about right now. Is Damian Gavin, do you think Damian Lillard played his last game as a trailblazer? I think he goes one more year. If not, just starts the year with them. And it wouldn't surprise me if they move off of him before the all-star break. I don't think it's his last game, but it very well could be. I mean I'm, I'm just playing the I'm playing the politician answer here. Yes, but no, no, yeah. but yes. So I, there's a lot of ifs between now and now and when he has to make that when they decide to make that decision. So if they get him some help, then no. But I mean, if they leave everything as it is, then he's gone, and he's gonna want to be gone as much as he says he doesn't want to be. I love the NBA for the chaos and the trades and the shakeups and all of that, but. As much as I'd love to say Dame's going to be gone, I think the organization's doing right by him. They're giving him he- say in the head coaching. I think they're going to listen to him on offseason as well if he likes a free agent or two. I think that, I think it's more likely – I think C.J. McCollum is going to be gone. I think that's the guy that's going to end up getting moved. Definitely. I love C.J. Yeah, I think he's phenomenal, but I just think they'll end up moving him. I don't know what the value looks like for C.J. He's a weird player. He's someone who – he's never really going to sniff being an all-star, but he's the next tier below the all-star guys because he routinely averages 20 points per game. He's a guy who's – capable of stepping up in those big moments a few years back in the game seven versus the Nuggets that ended up pushing the Blazers to the Western Conference Finals. He dropped a nice, I believe it was 37 points in that game. So he's capable of that. I think Dame stays one more year. I think Chauncey Phillips is going to become their head coach. It was between him and Jason Kidd. Since Kidd pulled out, I expect Phillips to be offered and eventually take that job, his first NBA head coaching job because of his extreme IQ at the point guard position. I think Dame will love what he brings in, but I'm with you. I see one more year of Dame in Portland and we'll see how it goes. And then after that, maybe he leaves still getting a lot of money there. So we'll touch on Denver a little bit more when we talk about the Portland series. I feel like McCollum might wind up being a Maverick. I think that might be the situation where they wind up with Porzingis. Porzingis winds up in, in, uh, in Portland, just because I think it makes the money yeah. work. I don't know if their contracts. It might. It's as close as they can get. Cause I think both teams get what they need. 
Um, yeah. Hopefully, I mean, obviously we talked about it, but hopefully Porzingis figures out that he's seven foot three and not three foot six. So. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like there were so else oh, the jokes for Porzingis was getting dragged on Twitter. There's some funny ones and another team that kind of got dragged was the Memphis Grizzlies. Yes. They started out game one. It was awesome. But Donovan Mitchell kind of came back and it's just too hard. Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley are two of the best guys that operate in the pick and roll. Mitchell's one of the best closers. Clarkson won six man of the year for a reason. They're shooting the lights out. Rudy Gobert is a dominant defender at the rim. And it was just too tough for them. And we'll touch a little bit more on Utah in a second, but Gavin, I just want to, what do you, how impressed were you with what John Morant did in that series? I thought he really stepped up as a guy. It's who, just, it who's hurt. as we are. I know it. it's it, we're at that age where it kind of scares me uh, with how good people are. I mean, there's countless people I can put on. I mean, I can count on both hands how many teenagers that are doing crazy things that I could only dream of uh, growing up. But uh, no, John Morant is is something special. And it it's, you know, on on that draft night, I, he was somebody that I wanted as a Suns fan, uh, but we just weren't lucky enough to have a high enough lottery pick to take him. But I'm happy that he's in Memphis because Memphis deserves somebody like that. And he's going to be a problem with years to come. I think that the Grizzlies are going to be a lot better next year with Jaron Jackson Jr. coming back from injury. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how well he bounces back from injury. But regardless, I still think it's going to be scary with him back on the floor. Uh, unfortunately for him, their offense just isn't good enough to keep up with just how good uh, Utah's defense is. Uh, Utah's defense was what, two or three in the NBA? Yes, something like I wanna that. I want to say LA. I know LA was first. And then it was, it was actually the Knicks were first. Was it Nick? Was it the Knicks? Yeah, it was the Knicks. All on effort, okay. honestly. Co- credit to Tibbs. Coach of the year. No. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I love John Morant. I, I got a soft spot for him. Uh, but, I, I mean, it's just he needs a little bit more help. I mean, Grizzlies just – it's 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 like the, during the true grit and grind era, they weren't – they were always they could what they would they max out at. I don't remember. I don't know if you'll remember either. I, I think the Western were, Conference Finals. I don't know if they were ever higher than a four seed though. Mm-hmm. So I, I have a I have a bad feeling that's where they're going to wind up. If if they make the right moves, then they're going to be a problem. I mean, we might see you mm-hmm. know Suns Grizzlies as one two very 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 soon in the future. Yeah, it would. It, they got a shot, honestly. I think one of the things that's so impressive, one free agent, it's Justice Winslow, who barely played for this team. Most people forget even on their roster. But as every broadcaster said who was calling a Memphis Grizzly game at some point, John Morant throughout the series was indeed on his Grizzly. Average 30 points per game, 4.8 rebounds, 8.2 assists, efficient from the field. His little jumps off two for the floater is so deadly when he gets in the paint. Delon Brooks can play on my team any day. He's a guy who frustrates me rooting against him, but I love the way he gets after it. Valanchunas is one of the most underrated centers in the league. And he had some nice, nice games against Gobert too, who is going to probably win defensive player of the year. And like you said too, Jaron Jackson, his health is the biggest thing for, for them. And all the credit in the world to Taylor Jenkins and his staff, the job they do developing these guys is phenomenal. I'm excited to see what the Grizzlies do. And as you said too, we'll touch on Utah a little bit later when we preview their series against the Clippers, but that's, so that's all the Western series we just hit on there. So let's jump over to the East really quick. Heat Bucks is first. Gavin, how shocked were you by the outcome of the Bucks and four? Not super shocked. Um, I, I thought the Heat were going to take at least two games, but I mean, the Heat didn't look as good as they did last year. Obviously the Heat got hot when they were supposed to last year, this year, 
Tyler Hero's head got a little big because he had a song made about him and just didn't didn't exactly play like he uh, he did the year before. So it'll be interesting to see if he gets out of that sophomore slump. Uh, the rest of the team, I mean, obviously there are a few pieces away. I think they lose Jimmy. They may go full rebuild, rebuild mode after this. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, they're in a weird spot. Uh, it really comes down to where they feel like they are uh, themselves. I think outside looking in, it's easy to say that they need to go into full rebuild mode and, and kind of see what they can do uh, via the draft. But I don't know what's going on inside of that clubhouse, so it'll be interesting to see. It will be really interesting to see. And I think so. Jimmy wants the super max, but he's still under contract for a few more years. It'll be interesting to see if he they give it to him or not. He personifies the Heat culture, but and for, he had a rough series. I'm as big a Jimmy Butler fan as you can find. I've always marveled at his toughness and ability to get things done. And he just was not able to get things done in this series. He hadn't shot it well from three all season long, shot 26% from three, 29% from the field in this series. Barf with that stat right there, only 14 points, the seven rebounds, seven assists. He's, he's been a guy who's done it all and he still does and makes the winning plays even when he's not shooting well. But it just personified it when you have guys, bam, really struggled in the series, the way Brooke defended him. And just in general, he missed a lot of the open shots. He did get Drogic and actually led this team in scoring with 16 points per game average, which is impressive to him. But he's just up there in age. I mean, you mentioned it, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero. I mean, both those guys were held under 11 points per game. Yeah, they're not going to win that series with stats like that. So the Heat, they're still one. They're another team that develops guys phenomenally. They're a hot destination. I think they were bigger Mavs fans than just about everyone because the rumors of Kawhi to Miami would have only heated up, no pun intended right there. <laughs> I really think it would have been interesting to see what would happen had that happened, but they got to get a little younger too. That Trevor Ariza, I love Trevor Ariza. He's just too old at this point. He can't start for an NBA team. A bench guy, yeah, he's more. he needs to shift into the equal dollar role though. So anyway, really disappointing for Miami and all the credit in the world to the Bucs. I mean, Giannis only averaged 23 points per game in the series. If you would have told me he would do that, I was going to assume they'd lose, but he averaged 7.8 assists, which is what was really impressive as the series wore on. Last year, they did a really good job. He did, turned it over a ton. The Heat built, did a, kind of their own version of the wall that Toronto built, and they were doubling really well for us in the turnovers, and he did a good job getting it out of it. And another big reason they were able to win the series was they hit their threes. They shot really well from three the entire series. Bren Forbes was a revelation from three, 48% for him. How about Bobby Portis, 46%, even Connington, 42%. That's their bench. Their bench last year was George Hill, Kyle Korver, Wesley Matthews. These guys just were up there in age and just couldn't knock down the threes. We saw what Wes, he was a detriment to the Lakers shooting this past year. But Middleton, Drew Holiday. I mean, how much of an upgrade is Drew Holiday to Eric, Eric Bledsoe? A significant upgrade. Significant just, upgrade. I don't think yeah. Drew spends his time in, in uh, barbershops, if you ask yes. me. That's just, that's just me. Yeah. Uh, Drew Holiday for this team, but they'll be significantly all right. changed the, uh, the defensive side of the ball. They weren't bad defensively before, but it just – just makes them even that much better. I think for the Heat, I think one of two things are going to happen. Um, even if – I think even if the Clippers get bounced in this next round of the Jazz, uh, it's either going to be Kawhi coming to the Heat or Jimmy going to uh, Golden State of all places. Because I think Jimmy's uh, – I think Golden State has a uh, really good package that they could get for him. Uh, get a couple of young guys, uh, maybe even a pick or two. Uh, so it, 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 I think that's probably the best place for him. Uh, and I think that might be the best – those might be the two best moves for the Heat. So, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, Bucks defensively are scary, um, but 
the Nets offense is scarier. So we'll, we'll touch we'll touch on that in a second. I I don't know. I I'm I don't really have a whole lot to say. Bucks just kicked the shit out of the Heat. I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> there's not there's not much else to say. I think Jimmy's gonna get Jimmy's just tired. Mm-hmm. Uh, and same as what we talked about in LA and and Dallas. It's he just needs help. So. If the Bucs aren't able to beat the Heat, and like you said, we'll get to that series, I think Bucks fans and most people consider it a failure for the Bucs season. I think because they got over the hump that was the Heat and show they are able to overcome that adversity, they weren't able to let last year hold them back. They made the adjustments. They just ran into an offensive juggernaut, and they lost. As long as they're competitive in that, in that series, I think it is a win, and I was so impressed with Giannis as his game continues to evolve. But really quick, let's touch on that Nets-Celtics series. I mean, the Nets, they're just offense was too much. With no Jalen Brown, Kemba Walker missed a ton of games. Robert Williams was going down as well, so they're relying on the corpse of Tristan Thompson to try to get offensive rebounds and different things of that nature. So we'll touch on the Nets more. Let's let's just talk on Jason, Jason Tatum for a second. How impressed were you, were you with his maturation? Jason Tatum might be – Jason Tatum, I think, if you ask me, other than Luca, because Luca's in his own space, Jason Tatum might be the only player under the age of 25 better than Devin Booker. And I can confidently say that. Because Jason Tatum is something else. I mean, the way the way he scores is so fluid and he just gets he gets the shot that he wants. And it's 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 a sight to see. It's just, you know, one Jason Tatum, one Jason Tatum isn't gonna going to be able to isn't going to be able to beat three of the best 10 players in the nba so that was just rather unfortunate for him i think the celtics are in a good spot they need a couple more pieces i don't think that they are in as bad of a spot as um their record might show i think they might move on from kemba uh maybe get a little younger in that spot see if you can't get any value for him um i mean they're you know maybe one starter away and then working on the bench because obviously you want to fill out your starting five first. So Jalen Brown coming back and Tristan Thompson not being your main big man uh, will help significantly in the future. Yeah, and I loved what Robert Williams was giving up before he got hurt. I thought he was a lot of fun. And even if Tristan comes off the bench, sure. I mean, they were relying on the corpse of Jabari Parker too. Parker actually did some nice things for them, but just tough. And, yeah, they got the, a great amount of young guys, so continue to get better. I think we were all kind of stunned. When they moved on from we, Danny Ainge, I actually I did I thought that one could happen. I mean, it's just been a while. I felt like a shakeup was coming, but Brad Stevens moving on that was shocking to me. I mean, I, he's a guy. If, I maybe not because the last few years he might have dropped off from being a top five coach, but still for me for sure a top ten coach. I just love what he's about. The sets he runs, I think he's a phenomenal head coach, and he'll be a phenomenal president of basketball operations because of that basketball brain he's got up top. But yeah, Tatum, I mean, incredible. Thirty points per game in the series, five rebounds, four assists, just. His, he is so deadly from the mid-range. Kawhi is the best guy in that mid-range area, 10 to 12 feet, kind of like that. But, man, his Tatum's deadly from there. When he gets going to, he can attack. The pull-up threes as well. His jumper is unbelievable. So I, I love watching Tatum when he goes to work. And I would have told you the Celtics were in trouble if you were to tell me that in five games, Marcus Smart would attempt 43 three-pointers. So that's kind of the the death dagger right there is when you can the Nets defense was doing their job and forcing Smart to shoot that many times. So – We'll move off that one, though, and let's touch on the the most funny series to me just because of all the activities that kind of transpired throughout everything. That's Hawks-Knicks. I, I just – I really enjoyed this series. I thought it was a lot of fun, even though it did only end at five. But what really stood out to you from this series? Trey Young coming out as one of the biggest shit talkers in the league, I think, is, <laughs> is phenomenal. Uh, but Julius Randle looking like he's back – he was back on the Lakers was was a problem. I mean, easily mm-hmm. the most improved player uh, – 
from this past year, just absolutely carrying that Knicks team. Uh, they've got their their big pieces. I don't think Julius Randle's that guy, uh, as evident from this series. So, I mean, if they can get a star man, uh, then they'll be fine because they've got, you know, Emmanuel quickly. Um, yeah, Obi Toppin even stepped up Obi, with them. Yeah, Obi Toppin was actually surprisingly good. Yeah, I wish RJ – I really was bummed that RJ didn't have, like, one big game. I really was hoping he would drop, like, that 30-point game of a science to come or something like that, but just wasn't able to do it. I mean, the series only averaged 14 points per game, shot a dreadful 28% from three, 38% from the field. So I was disappointed. I mean, Randall, Randall was 29% from the field, so it's not like he was the only one who was poor in that regard. But, yeah, I was I was really hoping Barrett would have that one signature game, and he, he just didn't. Barrett – Hopefully Barrett takes that next step uh, during this offseason. It'll be interesting to see. Otherwise, he could find himself in a trade package going somewhere else, um, maybe to uh, New Orleans to play with his yeah. old college teammate. I think that would be fun. Uh, maybe Alonzo Ball going up to New York wouldn't be such it wouldn't be such a bad idea. Uh, just just to fill fill a gap. Well, Brandon Ingram, would it be if with other assets. Brandon Ingram would also be a would also be a very fun. He'd be linking up with his old LA teammate now that I think exactly. both of them would be. I didn't think yeah. about it that way. It would take, yeah, it would take some definitely RJ and some other stuff to make mm-hmm. the swap work, but I think it's definitely, definitely doable. And yeah, we're just with the Knicks, like you said. Like I was encouraged that some of the young guys stepped up. It, this proved kind of the Knicks were a fun story, but they got here a lot of ways by playing hard defense and their effort on the offensive end. Randall was incredible, but he really struggled with John Collins and DeAndre Hunter. Their physicality gave him some issues, which is kind of funny because he's a physical player, but. Just the, his shot selection was not great, and they just weren't following. So he shot that dreadful percentage. I think he's he's not a number one. We know that he's a solid number two and a great number three. I think their goal for them, the Knicks hope in five years. I think when they're if they were to host a championship and hoist championship trophy in five years, it was RJ was their second best player, Julius was the third, and some superstar decided to come to New York. I think that's the biggest thing for the Knicks. So that was disappointing. But really quick, I, I've loved this Hawks team since the start of the year. We can talk about them a little bit more, but. Trey Young, yes, he's a great, he's an awesome shit talker, as you just highlighted right there. But I give him all the credit in the world for his performance. He put up to 29 points, 9.8 assists. He shot it well, shot 30, 34% from three. But man, it felt like he rarely missed what he let it go to. He was so impactful. He, he feels like the passes. second coming of Steph Curry to a degree. A little bit, yeah, I mean, for sure. Completely I, different, I, different players, but they get the same shots. Yeah. So go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, they're deep and no, you're no, you're absolutely right. They're deep and they're they're scary too. The way their guys play hard, we saw. We'll talk about what they did to the Sixers today. So yeah, I love Trey Young, and I I think I'd have to go through a full list. I do think by the time these playoffs are over, we'll be talking about him as one of the twenty best players in the NBA. I mean, he's Lou Williams that, is an absolute catalyst for that team. I think the yes. veteran leadership he provides off the bench has changed the yeah. game for a lot of the uh, the other role players that they have, which is. Mm-hmm scary to see uh obviously we'll talk about uh their next round matchup with the 76ers here in just a minute but that what lou williams has done for that team coming off the bench you know he's he's right at home being in atlanta Atlanta, so uh you can't ask for much more i think that was an underrated signing for them or under underrated uh, yeah the trade trade down perfectly it really did it was a great job by them i love their blend of youth i think they play four like vets and then, like, if they ever throw out there a guy and, like, uh, actually, they do play five when Solomon Hill plays with them. So they play five bets and then and then five kind of younger guys like that. So I love the blend they have going. And the young guys did not play like young guys, but 
Last year's we're going to shut on in the first round. Wizards 76 through Sixers. They rode Embiid, and then when Embiid got hurt, it took them a game to get everything right. They lost Embiid mid-game and lost to the Wizards the one game. Then Seth Curry went off. Ben Simmons at the five is when he does kind of play that point full point center like that is extremely deadly in that regard. Tobias Harris had a great series overall, but let's shift, let's talk about the Wizards. And I thought the Wizards had some encouraging things. I don't know, maybe just because Scott Brooks is close enough with Westbrook, he won't be fired. I think he should be fired. I'm not a fan of his. I mean, when you're starting Alex Len and Royal Neto in playoff games and you have better options, those guys rarely closed for them. I just don't think that's a defensible thing. But we, the head coaching thing is here or there. What everyone wants to know is Bradley Beal. Do you think Bradley Beal is going to stay with this team? I don't think either Westbrook or Bradley Beal are going to stay with that team. I, I mean, Russ I, is hard to move, though. I think they just the saw. I think they're the only team that you just got to completely blow it up and just mm-hmm. tank for a couple of years and just get some guys that you know are going to be those be the next you know the next man up uh, for them. Beal will go somewhere probably like L.A. you know somewhere that needs his shooting scoring ability. Um, Russ will go somewhere. I mean New York would be a good good place for him. I mean I know it's it's tough to find a place or a good home for him, but I think in a Tibbs system it might be might be a different story. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, I know Julius Randle's been Mr. Triple Double for the, for the New York Knicks, but I think if if Russell decides to go to the go to the Knicks or if they can put together some kind of package where they keep a lot of young guys, uh, then they I think it'll be a good thing for them. Uh, I don't know. It's tough. It's tough. I don't want to leave you know Russ on an island in in Washington by himself, but he may not have a choice. Yeah, like you say, it's going to be tough to trade the contract. I actually do love the idea of the Knicks. I don't know what that trade would look like, but if they did miss out on a big-time star, he's the kind of player that the New York fans would love. He's always made his teammates better when he's played with them. Kevin Durant won an MVP with him. Paul George was a top-three MVP candidate, which still seems crazy to think about. <laughs> Bradley Beal had – I think he he was barely lost out to Steph Curry in the scoring title of this year, so if he had a career year next to him. I think he would really help a guy like R.J. Barrett, honestly. So that's an interesting one. I think Miami is the team I watch for Beal. They've been rumored for a while. Look, Beal's talked about he's been super loyal the whole time. He's shot down this topic at every turn, but at some point, I mean, he just has to see the writing on the walls, right? He'd be going back I, home. He loves, to Florida. He loves Washington. True, he would. Yep, he loves Washington, but I just is not a great path for them to win a title. So, be interesting to see how that all turns out. And what I'm excited to see what happens next in the NBA is the second round of the playoffs, which have already gotten underway. Started out with the Bucks Nets series, and right off of the the first minute of the game, everything changes with James Harden going down, but Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Blake Griffin stepping up. Joe Harris hit some threes. Vintage Blake Griffin. Bucks, Drew Holiday, and Middleton in particular were dreadful shooting-wise. And then Giannis was good, but I didn't think he was great. And they struggled a little bit defensively as well. But So that was kind of our appetizer for game one. Harden has already been rolled out for game two, not for game three, though, so still could come back in time. The Bucks, Bucks have st- to take. Yeah. The Bucks have to take game two. There's, there's just no room for error. Uh, they have to take game two. I don't think that uh, Middleton and, and Holiday will be that bad again. Um, at least you hope not if you're a Bucks fan. But um, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's tough to stop Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant together, uh, let alone adding James Harden to the mix. But with him going out, you have to take advantage of that opportunity. And when he comes back, you have to – do what the Suns did with Anthony Davis is go right at him, see how healthy he really is and take advantage of that whole and take advantage of that matchup and, and maybe take advantage of that injury. Uh, I don't know. You're, you gotta, there's gotta be a, 
a hidden role player coming out of um, Milwaukee that's got to step up for them just because I don't think that they match the star power that the Nets have. Their team is deep, but so are the Nets. And the Nets have three of the top ten best players in the NBA. So it's going to be tough. Yeah, I, I think they're I do th- I think the Nets are phenomenal. And it's tough when you have a guy like Harden who goes down. And this was the team that we thought was going to be trying to win a chip with Kyrie and Kevin Durant surrounded by other role players like that. And with these guys, they're they're deceptive. The role players are deceptively really good for this team. They've done a great job of whether it's drafting guys, finding value, and trading for guys. I've been so impressed by the job this Nets team has done. And it's is as we're seeing, it paid off big in that game against the Bucks. I yeah, the Bucks, it's tough. I just I think, like you said, they're going to, they have to knock down the threes, obviously like that. Giannis will have to continue to be dominant. And PJ Tucker, I thought did a pretty good job on Durant, but I think it's one of these games we're going to see Durant really break out. I think he went for 29, but you know, he's going to go over for 40 for one of these games like Kyrie had last game where Kyrie really went off. So it's, it's going to be an interesting series. I'm excited to see how it plays out. And I'm feeling Right now, I'm feeling Nets and six. Originally, it was Nets and seven. I, I'm feeling Nets and six. Even and I look, Harden might not play in another game in the series, and that's just how I feel right now. I feel like the Bucks, whether it's poor shooting because I feel like the Nets turn it up defensively, or just having trouble holding the star power and the shooting in check that Brooklyn offers. I'm feeling Nets and six, and it's just uh, because I'm right there with you. Guys. Nets and six. I'm right there with you. Nets and six. I think if the Bucks want to have a chance at winning this whole series, is they need to they need Giannis to get the switches onto Durant or onto Kyrie and get them into foul trouble. It's, it's kind of a hard, kind of a tougher task uh, considering they're not, you know, big men stuck down in the paint, but I think that's the only way you're going to be able to get any, you know, progress. If you can cut down their time on the floor and get them out of their rhythm and just get them to sit down a little bit more than they would normally, then that might be a big chance for you to take, to make a big swing and, and find some guys open on the outside and just hit your shots. I mean, that's the easiest. That's the easiest thing to say. It's just hit your shots. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's not a really a whole lot else that the Bucks can do. It's just a well-oiled Nets machine that have role players that fit perfectly into their offense. No, it really is. It, it's absolutely a well-oiled machine. It's so fun to watch them when they get going. Last thing I'm going to say is just Mike Budenholzer cannot only play Giannis 35 minutes per game. That's what he did this first game. Holiday was 36, Middleton was 36, Durant was 40, and Kyrie was 44. That's a lot of time that their best players are on the floor and yours are not. So I think Giannis and I think those three have to play over 40 minutes per game for this team. I know you got some nice you, – you ha, you're lucky. You have some guys who have some depth. But a guy like Jeff Teague, as much as I've been a Jeff Teague fan in the past, I don't think he should play in this series, and I think that's because one of Drew Holiday or Chris Middleton should always be on the floor to basically help run the show. Or Giannis. Giannis basically handles the ball the whole time, so – I think shorten the bench, shorten the minutes. Don't be afraid to, as Brooke Lopez did a good job on the glass, but if they're really picking on him and pick and roll, don't be afraid to roll with PJ Tucker at the five. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out, but like we, we just talked about, we see this series the same way. So we saw game one of that series. There was another game one played and that was earlier today on Sunday, June 6th, when the 76ers and Hawks played in, this was a shocker. The Hawks got off to a blazing shooting start. They get up to 20 point lead in the first half. They let it slip back a little bit in the second, but they're still able to hold on. And they almost blew the game there at the very end. They did. Yeah. That's where they really, they did. They let it slip away like that. So it got really scary for the Hawks there in the end, but it ended up being just a little too much to overcome. They got a good game out of John Collins, which he was a guy who had some good games and some invisible games. I mean, three or four from three, 21 points. Trey went for 35 Bogdanovich for 21. 
uh, it's just, yeah, they, I mean, they shot the lights out from the ball. They shot 42% from three. It's hard to beat a team that does that. The Sixers, I mean, Embiid and Simmons had five turnovers just in the first seven minutes of the game like that. I believe it's seven as a team in the first quarter. So that's just not going to get it done early on like that. I thought they did a, Embiid, he went for 39. He had a really good game, but I mean, guys like Tobias Harris was only one of four from three. Curry was all right, but also Doc Rivers rolled with that all bench lineup for way too much of the game. I thought that was a huge issue was their role with all bench lineup and the Hawks do a good job of blending in some bench and some starters. And even when they do just match bench for bench, you've got some guys who are certified bucket getters and Lou Williams, Gallinari, who played, who's played big playoff games his entire career and Kevin Herter versus the guy with the most bench experience for the Sixers is Dwight Howard you're not going to throw the Dwight the ball in the paint at this point in his career, even against someone like Okongwu, because it just leads to a lot of turnovers. And as, as easy it is, is uh, as easy as it is to make fun of uh, Ben Simmons for his three point shooting, he's got to learn to make free throws. Uh-huh. I, never, I never thought I'd say that. I never thought I'd say 30% that. Uh, today, at this 30% today. 30% in, in his time. And his time in the league. Uh, the Hack of Simmons is real. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hack of Shack was bad, but Hack of Simmons is just as bad. Uh, it, it's kind of unbelievable being a quote unquote point god, point mm. point guard, excuse me. I yeah. <laughs> New York there. Uh, being a point guard, you have to be able to hit at least 70% of your free throws, especially being somebody of your caliber. Uh, and then Simmons, I mean, obviously it's easy to put him on a bigger guy and you can run with a smaller lineup, but when he's not, when he's on, when Embiid is on the floor, I think that Simmons should try and take, the liberty yes. of guarding uh, Trey Young, just to try and neutralize him as best as you can. I mean, they're, they're going to do your be- do their best to try and get switches and get Trey Young off of you and put him on Seth Curry or whoever else is out there on the floor. But I think as Ben Simmons, if I'm Ben Simmons, I want to take that dog mentality and I want to go right at Trey Young on the offensive end. I want the switch. I want to be going at Trey Young on the defensive end. I want nothing to do with anybody but Trey Young. I'm fighting over, under screens. I'm fighting through screens. I'm doing whatever I can to get into Trey Young's head. And that's not an easy thing to do as the Knicks learn the hard way. But I think Ben Simmons should be a personal task for Ben Simmons to try and shut Trey Young down as best he can. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. I think that Ben Simmons should be the primary defender on him. Absolutely. So we're looking at predictions for this. I'm going back and forth even as I stall. Starting out, you said 76 and six. Mm-hmm. I think the Hawks take one more game in Atlanta and then mm-hmm. Doc figures something out and yeah, uh, they just close out. So that's you know, it's funny you say that because it's exactly what I was thinking. I was going back and forth if I wanted to do them at seven, but my first thought was them in six. So, you know what, Gavin, great minds think alike. So, I'm, I'm with you. Let's go with 76 and six. We'll we'll go with that one together. And I wonder yeah, no what happens uh, for the Hawks five at first. Yeah, I was gonna say five. Oh, at first, five yeah, that that uh, after watching Trey Young and the mentality yeah. that he has, I think he I think he's good enough to, to claim another game. So, yeah, no, I agree. I think he's good enough to claim another game. So those are the ones we got to cheat on because we've seen the game mm-hmm. from both of them at this point. So now we'll move over to the West where we've yet to see either of these two teams go at it. Let's start with the Jazz and the Clippers. Clippers, Jazz will be well rested. Clippers coming off the quick thing. What are some things you're looking for in this series? I think the Jazz would do a better job defending Kawhi than uh, the Mavericks did, uh, obviously being as astute defensively as they are. Who do you think um, guards him? That's a great question. I guess it's Royce O'Neal, but I think that's a t- I think that's tough for Royce because he's O'Neal, got some but I think they're, 
I think their help defense is a little bit better than the yeah, Mavericks for sure. Be. For sure. Uh, obviously, their defensive rotations are significantly better. Uh, I mean, there's not really much else to say. If you can just slow Kawhi down, and on the offensive end, you keep if you can keep Gobert out of foul trouble, which I think is going to be a key for them in every playoff series that they're in. You keep Gobert out of foul trouble, then you guys are going to, they're going to be just fine. Donovan Mitchell is going to have a tough ask with Kawhi and Paul George both on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're going to look to uh, your shooters to knock down their shots, which they they do exceptionally well compared to a lot of a lot of other teams in the NBA. I mean, Utah offensively is not as good as a lot of other teams in the NBA, but it's their defense that that really sets them apart and why they're as good as they are. Mm-hmm. No, I think you're right. I, I'm really interested to see one thing if the Clippers decide, hey, let's go small. I'm interested to see how that affects Gobert at all a little bit if he's all right, we stand in more on the three. If they play a little bit of a matchup zone where they're still able to keep him at the basket, very interested to see how the Jazz and Clippers will adjust in, in that regard. And yeah, I think it's another great opportunity for Donovan Mitchell to continue to step up and rise up. He's facing some tough guys, but we just saw Luca rise up and do it. Donovan Mitchell's no Luca, but he's another one of those guys who's under 25 who's just absolute superstar. And I'm excited to see what he's going to continue to do against this team in a tough situation. And be interesting to see how the Clippers kind of manage their guys as well, as I touched on there. Zubach or whether it's Serge Ibaka, does Beverly re-enter the rotation? I'm very interested to see how the rotations kind of shake out. And this is – it'll be a fun – and Quinn Snyder's a phenomenal head coach. I think the Jazz have the coaching edge a little bit. and I'm excited to see how this one pans out. At the end of the day, the Jazz are a great team. I just saw – what I just saw Kawhi do, I'm just not going to ignore that. I think he's special. I think defensively they're going to have some games where they're going to be able to hold – shut down Mitchell a little bit. I think some of the guys, I mean, they, I know they have the six men of the year and things like that, the Jazz too, and Joe Ingles comes off the bench too. So it's not like they're not deep too, but I feel like in terms of the role players and the job they do play in their role of the three and D guys like that, like there's going to be games where it's tough to play Clarkson because he's going to shoot himself out of the game and stuff like that. I feel like this is the best. I feel like this is a good series for the Clippers because of how they're going to guard Donovan Mitchell. Kawhi is going to continue to ball out and when it comes to series like this, I always think it's a good thing to bet on the team who has the best player on the floor, and that's Kawhi Leonard. So I'm going Clippers in seven because that seems to be all they know how to do is go to seven games. You know, I was going to say the same thing, Clippers in seven, but I think the uh, I think the Jazz are actually going to stay away from the zone. I think they're going to watch watch them with that film from the first round and watch how uh, L.A. picked apart the Mavericks zone and how the Mavericks refused to, to uh, get away from that when it wasn't working. Um unless they believe that their zone rotations are going to be significantly better. I, I mean, obviously you have to let LA beat you with Morris or uh, Reggie Jackson. Those are the two guys that have to beat you. I mean, you can let Paul George shoot if you want, but Paul George has been known to get hot every once in a while. Um, Obviously your primary focus is stopping Kawhi on the offensive end. It's just limit turnovers. Turnovers are going to be the key to that game. Obviously the Clippers are really good at forcing turnovers. Um, with both Paul George and uh, Kawhi Leonard on the wings, it's it's going to be tough for them to get anything uh, that they want to do. Uh, Boban and and Rudy Gobert are not on the same level, but it's going to be a similar offensive approach uh, from the two. So don't and don't take that to heart if you are a Jazz fan or a Clippers or a Mavericks fan. Okay, it's just their play styles are going to be significantly similar. And I thought the Clippers did a really good job of defending Boban. Obviously, Gobert's a step up, but it's going to be the same approach uh, 
defending Gobert as it was Boban in this game seven. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see. But I do have clips in seven. Yeah, they're and they, like I said, like they're different players, but defending them will be similar in that regard. Yes, more Gobert is one of the best lob threats in the league, so that's where the difference comes in. But they're both Boban and Gobert, especially, will both be able, both had a big effect on the glass. I already know Gobert is going to have an effect on the glass. He's a really good rebounder. Where Gobert is not going to punish him, where Boban did, Gobert is not a post guy. You don't feed him the ball in the paint and let him go to work. It's not like he has a jump hook, a drop step. That's not his game. He often loses the ball. He travels. When he gets the ball in his hands, he can be a little uncoordinated like that. Now, he's very good at kicking it out to the double team when that arises. So, but I totally agree. I think that it's going to be interesting to see how that matchup plays out. So, one left. And, Gavin, it's the one you've been waiting for. Suns Nuggets. What are you looking for out of your Suns? Suns and six, which is going to do the same thing again. Uh, I think it's, I mean, obviously a lot of people are going to be saying the same thing that I am, and it's going to come down to whose stars play better. Uh, down low, uh, Denver, their stars are, are bigs. Our stars are guards. Our bigs can't hang with with their bigs, and their guards can't hang with our guards, to, to put it simply. Uh, I mean, DeAndre Ayton was pro- has probably been the toughest ask for Jokic on the offensive end. According to him, according to him. Yeah. Um, so I think the biggest thing for us is keeping uh, eight and out of foul trouble. It's the same thing as I said, going into the Lakers series is keeping eight and out of foul trouble. Um, if Aiden can he defend, can defend him without getting into foul trouble, which with Jokic is very difficult, but if he does wind up in foul trouble that we are in trouble and we have to get a big, heavy offensive load from our guards, because after Aiden, we have Frank Kaminsky, I, I can't say that with confidence. Sorry, Sarge. Euro on Euro action. Yeah, Sarge is a little bit smaller, so I don't think he'll be much better. Uh, I think he'll be better at spacing the floor. Uh, but the issue is, can DeAndre Ayton stay out of foul trouble? If he can have a repeat performance in this series as uh, he did in the first one, then I think we're going to be fine. Um, the Nuggets are obviously going to claim one or two games. I'm not, you know, not going to be upset if we lose one. I'm not as nervous as I was going into the Lakers series just because none of the other guys on the, the Nuggets roster are named LeBron. But uh, at the same time, it's playoff basketball. The Nuggets have been here before. We have a lot of guys who have not. And so if we can hit our shots the same way we have been, keep playing team basketball and have Devin Booker get the shots that he needs, then I think we're going to be just fine. Yeah, the main thing I'm excited to watch in the series is DeAndre Ayton on Jokic. I think Jokic is – I think he's the best center in the league right now. Maybe not the best scorer, but he man, he might be on the low block. He is – I know it's close between him and Embiid, but, man, he does a great job. He is so efficient, and obviously you can't double him because he'll always find the open man. He's a wizard with the ball in his hands, and I think that's what will be really interesting to see. I would stagger DeAndre's minutes to where he only plays when Jokic is on the floor, matches him in that regard. I'm really interested to see how Michael Porter and Austin Rivers doing this series. Rivers was a huge key for them. But he's a guy who's streaky and been inconsistent. There's a reason he was waived by the Knicks and available for these Nuggets to pick up. How's he going to do? Michael Porter Jr. is another guy who's been very up and down, and I think he's going to have to be really consistent if they want to win this series. Porter Jr. is going to have a tough, a tough, uh, tough matchup. I don't know if we'll put Crowder or Bridges on him, but it's going to be tough for yeah. him to get the buckets that he got mm-hmm. in the uh, in the previous series. A little bit. I think Robert Covington, even though a lot of time he was on Jokic, Robert Covington, Jay Crowder, Bridges, I think those guys are all in similar defensive classes. It'll be, still, I think it's going to be a little bit a little bit tougher with those two both on the floor at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think that we leave him, we, we, we stay covered, keep him covered on the outside. I think we need uh, to make Austin Rivers beat us. So if you do, if you do see, you know, Jokic finding Austin Rivers open, I don't think he shoots the 53, 54% that he shot in the first series, I think from, from three, I don't know what the exact percentage was, but he shot at an incredibly high clip uh, during the first, the first series. And I don't think he does that again. And I don't think Monte Mo- – I think Monte Morris, is that is that his name? I don't yes, know who Monte that is. Morris comes off the bench. He's their other – him and Austin Rivers. That's what's nice. They have those two kind of like six-man type guys, so they can just play whatever one's on basically. And I don't think he – I don't think he shoots at the clip that he shot in the first series either. So it's going to mm-hmm. be whether or not one of those two guys can beat us. Um, I don't think that their guards are going to be able to keep up with ours at all. I think no, Booker's going to yeah. torch both of them. And I think Chris Paul, after all this – after this big rest – uh, this big break that he's had between series is going to be fun to watch the point God back in action at hundred percent. Hopefully Denver doesn't learn how to use their elbows and push him <laughs> on the ground. So, you know, just hopefully he can stay healthy. Uh, so yeah. it'll be interesting it's to see playoff basketball though. I, I mean, it's tough. If he's in there for rebounds like that, he's going to get knocked around. So he's going to have to have to be tucked there. You also, you mentioned Monte Morris, Austin rivers. I don't know if they'll shoot it as well. I'd be shocked if Cameron Payne is the same shooting performance again. I, that's what I'll be very yes, interested sir. to see is those, which of those three guys is the most consistent is going to be fun. The last thing from an intrigue standpoint, Aaron Gordon's going to be on Devin Booker. It's a bigger, a lot bigger guy than he was being guarded by for the Lakers. They're not going to have, think Compos- that's the matchup they're going to go with. I, just, I don't know why you'd put Composo or Austin Rivers on him. I think I'd rather have, I'd have Aaron Gordon. I'd literally dedicate Aaron Gordon to guarding Booker. He's their best wing defender. I would put him out there. I would have him on Booker. I want to see how Book's going to do against a bigger defender. I expect screens. him to have, yeah, lot, oh, for sure. For sure. I'm hunting, screens. The same thing we I'm did in LA. Jokic or I'm hunting Composo nonstop or Monte Morris if he's in. You hunt those guys nonstop. But I think that's. Whoever's not Aaron Gordon or Michael Porter Jr., I think those are the Basically, two guys. And Porter's not even as, and Porter's still, he's got, he's so much better than he was last year but he's nowhere near a shutdown. So, but I agree his length could still, still very length pose problems lengthy. and whoever does it, it's bridges or Crowder guarding him. They'll have to do a good job boxing now because Porter is very active on the glass. Cause he's one of already, he's an athletic freak. So it's going to be a fun series. I'm excited. And I'm, yeah, I, I, I'm I, terrified, but I'm excited. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a healthy, um, yeah, you said anxiety. So yeah, you made your prediction. I'll make mine. Sons and I, uh, I don't want to. I feel bad. I don't like agreeing with you every time, but I'm feeling. I know. I know it's hard. Too. It's hard, but I'm right. So <laughs> just, what it is. I'll go Sons and Seven just for that. Jokic, okay. has, Jokic will get you a few times. I'm, I'm a huge Jokic fan, so I think it's a uh, it's the Joker versus uh, Batman. Yeah. I believe is is what they're calling him now. Is it yeah. DA? Yeah. Instead of Batman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Seen some funny. Uh, edits of da's face all over batman so yeah (laughs) i'm looking forward to it yeah it is funny last thing we're going to do really quick update finals predictions mine just came crashing to an end my heart would not let me pick against the lakers so i picked them to go all the way my other finals team though is still alive in the nets i am picking the nets and I don't, you know what? I feel something special with Devin Booker and Chris Paul. And maybe this is just, I watched that series a little closer than the other ones, but I am taking the Suns to make the Western conference finals. I'm picking them to lose in five. I'm sorry. I just think when Harden gets healthy, I think that's too special of a group to beat with Kevin Durant, Kyrie. It's just, that's too much. So I'm going to go nets in five is my updated, but I do have your sons in there. Gavin, mm-hmm. how, are you, I believe your finals prediction is still alive. Cause I think my finals prediction was kind of a, kind of a lame one. Uh, a few, what was it a week or a week and a half ago? Two weeks kind ago, of a, yeah. It was kind of a lame one. I said uh, whoever wins the the Suns Lakers 
uh, matchup is going to be the one coming out of the West, which that is still alive currently. Yeah. So I believe it's going to be Suns. You get to ride your Suns. Well. I think it's going to be Suns, Suns, Nets as well, but I think it's going to be Nets and six. I think we'll take two games. Uh, I think DA is going to be a problem. We're going to see some bigger games from him than what we have. And uh, we'll get to see uh, DeAndre Ayton dominate truly when we, when we play the Nets. I know it's, seems kind of weird to say that now but when we get to when we get there i think he'll, he'll go off for a for a bigger game than what we're used to oh i can already see you screaming expletives as blake griffin as deandre and gets an and one dunk on or anything like that i mean I, I would do that i would do that even if it was uh if it was uh zaza patchouli it doesn't matter yeah. who he's on it. I, i'm an i'm an emotional fan okay yes 11 years as I you can... should be 11 years of torture and pain but a chance to rewrite it all it'll be fun to watch it'll be fun yeah. to see how the rest of the second round of the playoffs play out. So we appreciate all of you for joining us and we'll be back as well. Once the second round is wrapped up to do our same thing, recap and look forward to the Eastern and Western conference finals. So thank you for joining us as always for Gavin. Now, before Austin. we, before we yes. leave, before okay, we yes. leave, I just want to, I want to say two things. Uh, the viewers won't be able to see this, but I want to get JT's reaction recorded. Uh, if I can find it, there's a picture of me 11 years ago, and this would have been the kid that was watching the Suns lose to Kobe Bryant in the Western Conference Finals 11 years ago. If I can find this photo here in these messages. Um, so I don't know if it's going to focus or not for you. I may just have to send it to you via text message. My lighting isn't helping it out at all. Okay. And then the other thing I wanted to touch on, it is a little bit of soccer. If you look at your phone, I'm sending this to you now. Uh, the U.S. men's national team, just uh, as, as we're recording this, is finishing uh, the CONCACAF Nations League final against Mexico. And in the 114th minute, Christian Pulisic buries a penalty to push the United States men's national team over Mexico 3-2 in the final. So that's a, that's a huge win for us. It's really big, uh, really good for us uh as a men's national team considering how how poor we've been over the last six years so i just wanted to i just wanted to put that out there before uh before we close out here yeah what is the situation with that is the u.s team still trying to qualify or um u.s u.s men's national team missed the last world cup yes i know they missed the last qualifying one, yeah. um we had a lot of mls guys which no you know no disrespect to the mls because uh, mm-hmm. I think they don't get as much credit as they should, but we had a lot of older guys that were from the uh, the older generation, and we've got a lot of younger guys who are, are really good in Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney in the midfield, Giovanni Reyna and Christian Pulisic up front, all really young guys under the age of 24, 25. Uh, Reyna being 19, I believe, which is insane as we're sitting here recording this podcast. Yes, that is insane. Um, McKinney being 2021 20, and Tyler Adams being 2223. Uh, those, those guys, that's the core uh, of our group. And I think we've got a good chance of qualifying, not only qualifying for the world cup, but making out of the group stage and maybe making it into the, into the, uh, the semifinals or quarterfinals. It just depends on what the matchups are. Um, so it, it's, it's really fun. I'm looking forward to the world cup in a couple of years, but I just wanted to throw that in there at the, uh, the very end. I don't know if you got the message that I sent you, or not about the, the picture a little skinny me yes it does yeah it is it is incredible. yeah that was me 11 years ago <laughs> watching uh that, that would have been the kid who watched the Suns lose in the western conference final yeah. 11 years ago 
So uh, uh, flies is indeed an amazing. Blows my mind. Blows my mind that that thing and and me are the same person. But it is what it is. Uh, I'll let you take the lead from here. Sorry yeah, for and, cutting and, off oh, your uh, your closing sentences there. No, you're good because you, like you said you wanted to touch and get that in there. I totally understand. Time will tell if we have another sad Dawson fan in two weeks. But we look okay. forward to whatever the results will be. When we join you next time for Gavin Dawson, I'm JT Mr. Still signing off. Thank you guys as always.